Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Well, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. If you're new to following the Torah portions, the Jewish community worldwide, we go through different sections. In Israel, they'll go through, they're a little bit off because, or we're a little bit off, I should say. They're not off. But they, they, on Pesach 8, the eighth day, we celebrate here in the diaspora, and they do not. So, we're, we're actually looking at last week's portion for Israel, but this week's portion in the diaspora, which is Chukat, which means the ordinance of. And it, it starts off looking at the ordinance of how to deal with the red heifer, how to deal with purification. You got to take this heifer and burn it up and take the ashes and you use it. And there's so many other things in this portion we could talk about today. I mean, we had the death of Miriam. Moshe's sister. We had the death of Aharon, Moshe's brother. And we also have where Moshe, he, he sinned. He, he dealt with this rock in a different way than he was supposed to. But that's not what I want to talk to you about this morning. I just wanted to briefly show you there is a lot we could discuss in this week's portion. But what I want to talk to you today is I've titled it Dealing with Snakes. Now, snakes can be quite obvious sometimes, and I, I want to share with you a little bit of my childhood. I'm just curious, how many of you have ever had an encounter with a snake? Okay, very good. A lot of you have. Now, let me ask you one more question. How many of you do not like snakes very much? Oh, I see two hands. I got two hands. I see two hands up back there. A lot of people. They can be terrifying. And then, just to be fair, how many of you have had pretty pleasant experiences with snakes? Okay. Okay, so some of you are a little braver than the rest of us. Well, I can remember at a very young age having issues with snakes. And, and throughout my life, we grew up out in the country. You know, when I say we lived in a town, we didn't live in a small town. We lived like 10 minutes away from a small town. So... When the school bus would drop me off on a hot day, much like we're having today, you know, late August, the school bus would drop me off. I'd have to go down the driveway to get to our house. And our driveway wasn't like what you'd see in the city. Our driveway was like a quarter mile long, and then it'd start going up a hill, and you were turning around, and that's what it was like. But on both sides, there was these fields, these big hay fields. And... Every now and then, you'd get the obvious snake. And I call it the obvious snake because you couldn't miss it. You're walking down the driveway. you got your backpack. It's been a long day. You just want to go home and have a snack and say hi to mom. And there's this snake just straight. It's stretched out completely across the driveway. It's so long. The entire driveway, I'm like, how am I going to deal with this? How do you deal with this snake like this? I'm thinking in my mind, well, I'll just do what I normally would do. I would run. That's what children do, right? So I'm running. I'm, I'm thinking, well, I better not. 
because my father told me something about snakes. He said they actually can feel vibrations. And I started thinking about this. I'm like, so I'm going to be running, and as I get closer, there's going to be more vibrations, and I'm going to hurtle over this snake, and it's going to jump up and bite me right in the heel, just like we read about in Bereshit in Genesis. I don't need this. I don't need this at all. So what I decided to do was think of another idea. I'm standing there pondering. I'm like, well, what do I do? There's fields on both sides. That's even more terrifying because now we're not looking at obvious. You could be looking at more deception, right? So I'm thinking about this, and I heard my father's voice again, and he says a lot of times the snakes, they have their own dens, and, and then, then you've got the mom that you're dealing with here. And I'm thinking, he said something about like rattlesnakes. They don't have the little rattles on them when they're babies. So if they don't have a rattle, you can't hear the warning and they'll bite you. Their poisonous is worse and it can hurt you and kill you faster. And I'm thinking about all these things. I'm terrified. I said, what do I do, Lord? And I, I just decided I'd go as far out as I possibly could into the hayfield. By the way, in the late August, the hayfield's really high. It's ready for its second cutting of the season. And I'm walking through this hayfield just praying that I'm not going to step on someone's den and upset mom or the babies. And then I get back on the driveway and run home. So that went pretty well. It was terrifying, but I made it through that. That was the obvious experience. Well, we can see that snakes can be seen throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk about a lot of that today. I want to share a lot of scripture with you today because I have some interesting things to say, but I think God's word's way better. Amen. Well, looking at some of the snakes, we can see that Israel also encountered snakes on their way to their new home in Israel. If you look at Numbers 21, verse 5, it says, And the people spoke against God. Not a good start, is it? And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Well, here's what they said. They said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? You know, this wasn't the first time, was it? We've been, if you're reading through and you've been studying, you can see this is an over and over occurrence of kvetching or complaining. It goes on to say, for there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes. It loathes this worthless bread. In other words, I am not grateful for what you've given me, God. You know, how quickly can people forget what could they be forgetting at this point? The bondage that they just left in Egypt. How about that? How about how God parted the Red Sea? I believe Eric mentioned that today in the liturgy. That is a huge blessing. But could you imagine, how are you going to get back across? Did they think about that? Did they forget about what Miriam did and what happened to her not too long ago? Did they forget about what happened with Korach? I mean, it, the list goes on, and we're going to cover a few of those today. We won't cover many of them, but there's so many issues where they had been warned and how quickly they forgot. You know, I think this is something, too, this, too, can be true for us as believers. You know, sometimes we can forget the bondage that we came from, and we're on our walk to the Lord and to His kingdom, and we can forget we can forget about the pain and the suffering that was there and just remember this dangling carrot. You know, and it reeled us away to these deadly snares of the wicked one. Or maybe even find ourselves, should I say it, complaining? Well, here's the consequence for the complaint. We can go back and look at this. Uh, we're we're going to look at the next verse in Numbers 21, verse 6. It says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents 
among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. You know, one could argue it seems kind of harsh for a complaint like this, but as I mentioned before, Look at all the opportunities they had to do the right thing. And I want to challenge you. Let's go back and look at some verses that God actually spoke directly to them, warning them before any of this happened. If we go back to the end of Leviticus, chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, it says, If you walk in my statues and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. That sounds wonderful. And the list goes on a little bit further than that. For time's sake, I'll stop there. But there's also a list that follows that that's much longer than this, and it's regarding disobedience. As we look further in Leviticus 26, verse 14, it says, but if you do not obey, if you do not obey me, this is God talking directly to them, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statues, or if your soul abhors my judgments, in other words, if you don't really like the manna that I'm giving you, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, here's what God says to them. Verse 16, he says, I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. Wasting disease, take note of that, wasting disease he will appoint over them, and fever which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of the heart, and you shall sow the, your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. So I question, did this actually happen? Yes, every single bit of it happened. And if you continue going through Leviticus, it says, if you don't do this, it'll actually get worse, seven times worse. And if you don't listen then, it'll get seven times worse. Well, if we look in Numbers 12, verse 9 and 10, and this was just a few portions back of what, if we're studying through, it says, so the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. This is when he had... Aharon, he had Miriam, and he had Moshe. And he said, to my prophets, I speak to them in dreams and visions. Not so with Moses. With Moses, I speak directly to him. And this is when he departed. And then when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous. Remember what I said, this wasting disease? It happened right here. This is one of their own leaders. And you can't hide a leader, especially when she's gone for seven days out of the camp. It's going to be obvious. So Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aharon turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So as Miriam died and was buried, did the people learn from her example? I think we can clearly see through what we read this morning. No, they did not. And can the situation get worse? I mentioned this earlier. Yes, it can get a lot worse. God warned them. I think that's the key. And something that we need to keep in mind too is, are these warnings just for the Israelites back then? Or some of these things that we need to be thinking about today? God is warning us. Does he need to repeat himself? I mean, how many parents are out there? Grandparents. Plenty of us, right? How many times do you need to tell that child it should only be once? Sometimes we tell more, but a lot of times it leads to a consequence or an action, right? It's the reality. 
So let's continue on. Let's look at Leviticus 26, verse 21. It says, Then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on to you seven times more plagues. This is what we talked about earlier. According to your sins, I will also send wild beasts, wild animals. You know, you could even argue snakes. If you're not happy with that, look at some of the way the people talk to the prophets and those children got mauled by bears. There's plenty of examples where this happened. But I would, say, I would challenge you today, it was even happening with these snakes. He says, I will send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. Were these instructions from God only for when they arrived in the land? Clearly not. Clearly they could be learning from it right here, right? No, they were already in effect. Well, let's go back and let's look at Numbers 21, verses 5 and 6 again. It's good to learn through Scripture and, and learn from these examples. It says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. In other words, the people went to war against God with their very mouths. You know, we can see in James, he says that the tongue is so dangerous, right? It can be like a rudder on a ship controlling everything. But if you can actually tame your tongue, you can control your whole body and prevent yourself from sinning. Well, looking at Numbers 21, verse 6, it says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. You know, we talked about how snakes can be obvious, but sometimes snakes can also be hidden, right? Well, I want to share with you another snake experience I had growing up. I was a few years older, and I learned how to dodge snakes that were obvious, but sometimes they weren't always obvious. You know, behind our house, we had huge wood piles because we had two fireplaces and even stoves outside to burn wood. And it was quite an operation. We had to split the wood and sort it. And you'd have areas for the logs. You'd have areas for the starting wood. And my dad would just get truckloads of this stuff sent in and, and we'd have to sort through it, my brother and I. And it was, it was a lot of fun climbing around on this stuff. But one day, I heard that rattling sound my dad was talking about. I said, oh, no. And I just remembered what my dad said again. He says, you know, you got to stay calm around a snake. They can sense these things. What are you going to do? And I'm looking around. Where is the snake? And lo and behold, it was right by my ankle. And I saw its little slithery split tongue just waving as they do. And I'm terrified. And I'm looking like, why am I even looking for the rattle? I hear the rattle. I, my brother's not holding a baby rattle. He's older than I am. I'm terrified, and I'm thinking, what should I do? And my dad said, stay calm. So what did I do? The exact opposite. I screamed like a baby, and I jumped out of the way, and I went running to my dad, and I said, Dad, what do I do? And of course, I won't, I won't put you through all the, what he did, but you can figure it out. Some snakes are good. Some snakes are good, but some snakes can hurt your livestock and hurt your animals and hurt your people, and you got to deal with them. So I got to learn how to deal with that too, but that's another story. So knowing how to deal with all these snakes was unknown to Israel. They needed help. People were getting hurt and even dying. 
you know, there's different ways that we can deal with snakes. I want to talk about a few of these ways. The first one we could do is ask for help. We can go to God first, right? We can go to our parents as well. Well, Numbers 21, verse 7, that's exactly what happens. If we continue along with this text, we can see, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So what did Moses do? What he always does. He went and prayed, got down on his face and cried out. He's responsible for these people and he realized that. So both the people and Moshe, they asked for help. And the people asked Moshe and Moshe asked Adonai. So that's one way we can do. We can ask for help. The other thing we can do is hear and listen you know, sometimes we don't always like the help. I didn't like the idea of staying calm with the snake about to bite me. I ran, and fortunately, I did not get bit. But we need to hear and listen. We need to receive God's instruction. And that's exactly what Moshe did. If we look at verse 8 in chapter 21 of Numbers, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. Isn't that peculiar? We're dealing with serpents, and we're going to make a serpent. And set it on a pole. I don't know about you, but this is sounding really bizarre. This is like walking around Jericho and, and coming back. This is not something that makes human sense. So you set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. This must have been difficult, because to me, this seems like breaking the second commandment. If we take a look at that for a minute, if we look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6, it says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth below, beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to it. So maybe you could argue, okay, they're not bowing down to it but they're supposed to look upon it to be saved. This is a little bit strange. But you shall not bow down to it to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But, thank God there's a but here, showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, I mentioned something earlier about Moshe. He was different than the other people. Prophets hear through visions, through dreams. Not so with Moses. Moses heard directly from God, which I think is a huge blessing. There was no question who he's listening to. He doesn't have to say, you know, this doesn't make sense, but he could take the Gideon approach and be like, you know what, can you just do this for me and we can test it out? But he didn't need to. He trusted the Lord. So obviously he was able to do with this. And I think when we look at this, you know, we have to be able to listen to God too. We have to be able to reckon what does he say. And it comes through knowing his word, but you can't just rely on one part of the word like, oh, this is, you're breaking the second commandment. You have to clearly divide the word in spirit and in truth. And you also have to know the whole word of God, right? It's important. So Moses had to make a choice, listen to God or possibly rely on his own understanding. Well, that kind of goes into the next part. We talked about asking for help. We talked about hearing and listening. Now it comes down to obedience. Do what you heard. What we see in James chapter 1, 
Verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, whether you're hearing from God directly or through his word that's been written by his faithful servants. We need to not be hearers only, deceiving ourselves. You know, God taught Moshe his ways. He taught him to trust, to listen to him, to obey God always. And this wasn't the first encounter Moshe also had with snakes. You probably recall there was a few other times at least twice I can think of. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, it says, So the Lord said to him, this is Moshe, What is that in your hand? Moshe said, It's a rod. And God said to him, Cast it to the ground. Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. What does that tell you? I don't think Moses really likes snakes either. <laughs> Well, if you read a couple verses more, we're going to continue with verses 4 and 5 of Exodus 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Hold on. If you've handled snakes, that is not the way to handle a snake. You're going to get it by the head, not the tail, right? That's dangerous. But this is God talking. He's learning to trust the Lord. It doesn't have to make sense for us, does it? And that's something I hope we all get today. It doesn't have to make sense. Do not lean on our own understanding. Trust the Lord. So it says, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. So this one thing that's dangerous ends up becoming the way to lead the people and used for many different ways. Miracles like parting the Red Sea, turning the water to blood, but why did he want them to do this? Well, it says in verse 5 that they, they, the children of Israel, may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So his staff became a snake, and he said, pick it up. And Moses did. He obeyed exactly as God said, because Moses' faith from before and he could trust in God's voice again, no matter how terrified he must have been from time after time. Can you imagine going be before the big snake Pharaoh? I mean, he looked like a snake. If you look at some, at least the way they depict him today, he had to go in front of him. But he could obey, and he had to do that same act that he had just shown. So he'd do it again with Pharaoh. And now Moses would deal with the snake problem in their camp. So now we're dealing with the snake problem. But God prepared Moses through his walk. By being an obedient, he was able to use more and more. So let's go back and look at these fiery serpents again. So in Numbers 21, now we're moving up to verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made the bronze servant. Did he obey? He did. He actually followed through, had it done, and he put it on a pole. And so it was, if any serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Isn't that amazing? Seemed like idol worship to me. It really did, especially the first time I read this. But he heard God correctly and was obedient. Well, Yeshua also makes reference to this actual event in his ministry. And he did this when he met with Nicodemus. Remember, he was talking about, how do I be born again? How do I come out of my, do I have to go back in my mother and come out again? How does this work? Well, further down in the scriptures, in John chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Yeshua, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, 
No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man. Well, who is the Son of Man? It's Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, remember that's what we're talking about this morning, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, or even so must Yeshua himself, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I think all of us know the rest of this, but I'm going to read it this morning because I think it's good to hear the Word of God again. Amen? Let it refresh us this morning. In verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love this next verse. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, you're thinking about these people getting bit by these fiery serpents. Well, think about the bites that we've had from the fiery serpent himself. How important is it to be able to look to Yeshua? Verse 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, which is who? Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light. They loved a little bit more of Egypt. They wanted to go back. The manna just wasn't cutting it, right? They wanted something else because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. So we looked at a few different points here. We looked at um, asking for help, hearing and listening, being obedient. Well, let's take a minute and look at disobedience because let's be honest, I think, unless I'm the only one here, we've all disobeyed. And we can go all the way back to our ancestors. We have a common ancestor. We have Adam and Chava, right? And let's take a minute and look. And we're going to talk about snakes the rest of this time as well. So we can also address the snake while we're at it. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is the serpent talking, Has God indeed said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Was that true? Absolutely not. That's why we're in this state of sin today, right? It's the first Adam that caused all this pain. Eve listened to the snake, didn't she? Well, I'll tell you, even after this instance with the fiery serpents and, and God giving Moshe a way to build this bronze serpent and to draw to the Lord and find a way for help, it, it actually got really ugly. And I want to take just a minute and look at that. If we go to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, we can get a glimpse of this. We don't have time to go through it all today, but you can get a glimpse. And it says he, he being King Hezekiah, what did he do? He actually turned. He turned from a lot of wickedness that Israel was doing, and he removed high places and broke down sacred pillars. He cut down wood, 
wooden image and get this. He broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses made. It was still around at this time. Well, why would he break it down? I mean, God said to build it. Well, the rest of this verse gives us the information. It says, For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it, and they called it by a name. They gave it a name. They, it became a god. They actually did what we were talking about in the second commandment. They broke it. They didn't only have an image, but they were bowing down and worshiping it, much like the golden calf. Well, they were breaking the command of bowing down and even took time to burn incense on it. And like I mentioned, they named it. So who is the biggest snake of them all? Who is this snake that we mentioned in the Garden of Eden? You know, he's the one that's always trying to prevent men and women from worshiping who? The true living God. That's his number one goal is to remove us from the tree of life and to get into these temptations that just reel us in and seem so inviting. So if you think about it, what was that fruit that was given to Eve? She wasn't even to touch it, but she looked at it and saw that it was good. She t touched it, and it was good, and she tasted it, and it was good. I mean, that's the deception of life. It doesn't always seem like it's going to be a bad deal, but it, that's the reality is we're dealing with a deceiver, and if we're not following the Lord, guess what? We fall in that trap. We can be deceived by that too. Yeah, because the one who tricked mankind stopped eating the fruit and to taste the fruit of the flesh and I want to take a minute and look at Revelation 12, verse 9. It says, So the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil or Hasatan. You know, this just further confirms who he is. And what does it say here? Please get this next part. Who deceives the whole world? Is that past tense? That's right now, guys. If you're not walking with the Lord, you may not even be hearing what I'm saying. You could be deceived by Hasatan. I could be deceived by Hasa. It's very easy because he's not going to dangle something you don't want. He's going to go after the things you like. Yeah, it says that called Hasatan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And we know this because of Yeshua, right? Yeshua did this. And that's why we pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Yeshua is cleaning up house, and God, our Father, is setting a footstool before him right now. Work is happening, whether we realize it or not. God is busy doing kingdom work. Well, 1 John 3, verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the very beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, that's Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, was manifested. That's why it happened. We see that promise in Genesis 3. God said, I will send a seed. Ralph Shaul reconfirms that. I'm not talking about seeds. I'm talking about this seed. That's who we're dealing with. Yeshua is confirmed to have dealt with this situation and made a way for all of us. Yes, so he, this purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, how do we deal with the snake? This is what's really important. We talked about the snake and how much damage he can do to us. All of us can be deceived. It's easy to happen. And along our walk, sometimes we can move just a bit off the path thinking we're on the path. We can easily get deceived, right? There's a lot of glamorous paths that come along as we're traveling to the kingdom. Well, I want to give you 10 ways that you can deal with the snake, Hasatan, the devil, First thing we can do is resist him. We don't have to take the temptations, right? 
Look at James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee. He will flee from you. He's not going to stick around. Second one I want to look at is be sober and be vigilant. Do you think if we're drunk all the time, we're going to be in the right mind? Do you think if we let our guard down, we're like, oh, everything's fine, that you're going to be okay? We need to keep a guard up too, don't we? Well, First Peter addresses this in chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, that snake himself, walks about like a roaring lion. What's he want to do? He's seeking whom he may devour. And we see that even in Sefer Yov, or the book of Job, right? That's exactly what he was doing. And God gave him the permission. And I think that's a beautiful thing, too. I don't know if I included that one in here, but we will, you can see that in the book of Job, he couldn't just go up to you. If you're with God, Satan's got to get permission to come to you. Number three, Yeshua set a good example of this. Live by every word of God. I talked about this earlier. You can't just take one piece of scripture and say, you know what, this is my doctrine. I stand on this alone. You've got to live by every single word. You have to spend time. And here's the thing. If you're not renewing your mind and reading through the scriptures daily, weekly, monthly, you're actually being deceived, most likely. There's a reason. We live in an information age. You go back two, 3,000 years ago, not everyone had a, a, a large scroll, which that's only five of the books that we have of the 66. They didn't have that, right? That was a very expensive, handwritten. We all have the luxury of having our own Bibles, even on phones now. We're really blessed. But there's a reason for that, because the flooding of the enemy is more intense, too. So if we're not careful... We can be deceived. We need this daily, guys. We're getting flooded with billboards. We're getting flooded with emails. We're getting flooded with ads on TV. Flood yourself with the Word of God. Make that the first thing you do. Get your first manna. Don't complain about that manna as they were doing. Get that manna in the morning every day. It'll do wonders. Well, let's look at what Yeshua did. Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4, we see now the tempter. This is that snake, Hasatan, he came to Yeshua. And he said, if you are the son of God, much like we dealt with the first Adam, of course, being the deceiver, he went to Adam's wife. He didn't even have the respect to go to him. Here's what he says. He says, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, and this is Yeshua, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how we have to live. We need all the nutrients. You can't just live off protein all day or, and cut out all your carbs. I know some people want to do that. I don't. I love carbs. But <laughs> you, you need to have all your different food groups. Well, you need that spiritual food, guys. We need that. And, and to further confirm that, we can even see in the Torah, in Leviticus 26, where we were studying earlier. Look at verse 14. This is what God told them. He says, but if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments. He told them from the beginning, Yeshua is reconfirming that. Number four, the way you can deal with the snake, don't give him place in your life. Don't allow even a foothold. I'm telling you, you let one little foothold in, he's going to make a crack right? And then he's going to make a, a way to get in further and it will destroy. We can see this with Yeshua. He talks about a person getting a demon out of their life. 
and they got the house cleaned out. I think Jonathan mentioned this a few Tuesdays ago at Bible study. Next thing, what's he coming back? The demon says, oh, look at this. This house is all cleaned up. But guess what? He's not with the Lord right now. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get seven other demons, and we're going to hang out here and party. This is our new home. And, you're, and then this person is wondering, how did I get to this point? I love the Lord. I love the Lord way back here, and I was walking with them here. When you start finding yourself talking past tense about your relationship with God, that's the big warning, my friends. That's when they probably moved in. It doesn't take, it takes a few minutes. When you plant seeds, they don't grow overnight, do they? Some of them might, but most of them don't. You plant the seeds back here, and you're still living off of the fruit that you planted back here, which was good seeds, right? And next thing you know, you put some bad seeds in there. God's like, this is not a holy temple. I, I can't be in here anymore. I'm sorry. I'm still here, but I'm not here for this. I can't endorse this. And next thing you know, all this bad fruit is developed in your life, and you're saying, I never was like this. I knew better. How did I get to this point? Well, that's how. Satan is a deceiver. He didn't advertise it to you with some ugly seed. It was something that was attractive. All right. Number four, don't give place for the devil. Don't give place for this snake anywhere. Ephesians 4, verses 26 through 32, it says, Be angry, but do not sin. I wish I had more time to talk about this. This is a huge one, at least in my life. It's a challenge sometimes. You can get upset, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil, the snake. Let him who steal, stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good and what he may have something to give who has need. Get this next verse. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That was the issue with the children of Israel in this portion, right? They're dealing with this serpent. But what was their biggest complaint before that? Oh, this man is horrible. Oh, I can't believe this leadership. I, this is just, I'm done. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Has God given you grace? He's given me a ton of grace. I think we need to share that with others, amen? It's not something we're going to hoard. Give it. And verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Hallelujah for that. Let all bitterness, let me repeat that, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, or evil speaking be put away from you with all the malice. So maybe you are this person over here and you've got some of these seeds in you. You can let them go. You can let them go. The best thing to do is start eating good seeds, right? Stop feeding it. Start watering it with the Word. Get some good nutrients in there, right? Start listening to the Lord. Put yourself around people who are positive, Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Messiah Yeshua forgave you. Amen. All right, five. Fifth way you can deal with the snake is practice righteousness. First John says in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Friends, it don't matter how much you know the Word of God. It don't matter how righteous you are. And you get up here and you can dance better than everyone else. You can recite Scripture better than everyone else. If you don't love one another, 
Let this be a warning to us. If you got any bitter root towards somebody, let it go. Yeah, I mean, we got prayer teams that will be up here later. If that's something that you're dealing with, let it go. Do not let the sun sit on this, right? Number six, this is one of my favorites. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, you can't go deal with the snake if you're not equipped right. Remember we said you got to be vigilant? Vigilance doesn't require you sitting around in your bathing suit, right? You got to put on some armor. We're not on vacation, guys. That's coming later. You know, I can't wait for that time. But we're not there. So Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or that snake. That's how we're going to do it, guys. Check your equipment every day and make sure that you're ready to go. Another important one, maintain a good reputation. This goes a long ways. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy 3.7. This was intended, I think, more for leadership, but it applies to all of us. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. There, like I said, there's a lot of temptations. You've got to stand strong with the Lord. And that goes into the next point. Number eight, remain faithful. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve, we were just talking about this, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by the simplicity in what? That is in Messiah Yeshua. You know, sometimes there's some really wow teachings. You guys may have heard some of them. I've heard some really amazing teachings. You've got to be careful on some of that. There are these little sparkly roads on the path that can take you away from the basics and the simplicity of Messiah Yeshua and the gospel of him dying for our sins. Be careful of that. Let's look at number nine. Look to Yeshua. We were talking about looking to him. That's the simplicity of it, right? Look to him on the cross, the tree, the stake. That's really where we need to be focused. But not only there, right? That was the answer to all this. Where is he now? He died, he raised, and he's up in heaven right there next to our Father. Let's not forget that. But in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of the flesh of and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might, who is this? This is Yeshua might, destroy him, who? The snake, that had the power of death. That is the devil. And release, this is what we want. I'm telling you, you look to Yeshua on the cross, you're going to get release. And release those through fear of death where all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's the thing. We don't want to be a subject to bondage of death. We don't want to be a bondage to sin. We just had a great study in Romans chapter 6 this last Tuesday. Our elder Roy was talking about that and how you could be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. We don't want to choose that other slavery. Stay focused on Yeshua. He has made a way that all mankind can be free from the bondage of sin. And the last one, number 10, know the snake's fate. Know the devil's fate. We can see this clearly in Revelation 20, verse 10. It says, the devil who deceived them, and we know he deceives all, but this is saying past tense. Did you notice that? So this is something to look forward to in the future, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So all those people wanting to take us away from Yeshua, their dangly and dazzly teachings, you know, Deuteronomy talks about this. You don't even have to listen to him anymore. Walk away from that. 
But what happens? It says they were cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. One conclusion, I want us to look, take a relook at what Yeshua told Nicodemus. John 3, verse 13. We'll only go to verse 15 this time. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Like I mentioned before, he didn't just stay on the cross, did he? No, he actually ascended to heaven, and he's sitting there. He's our high priest right now. We have a working temple, working tabernacle in heaven that is not made by man. Yeah, it says that he came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That snake, it provided life for the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? Well, Yeshua provided eternal life, not just for them, but for all mankind, to the Jew first, but also to the entire world from the beginning of time to now. Verse 15 says that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, it's God's desire that all of us repent and that all of us repent from the evil and obey him and live. Look to Yeshua. He's the only way to eternal life. And what does this look like? Well, later Yeshua talked about this. This will be my closing verse for today. But Yeshua talked about this with his Talmudim and also to some Greeks that were Jewish Greeks that were visiting during the holy days. And he talks about this later on in John in chapter 12, verses 25 through 32. And he says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You can look into this, and Yeshua tells us that we need to pick up our torture stake, to pick up our cross and follow him. Sometimes it's not the most attractive walk, but every time we're obedient to that, huge blessings. Some of the biggest blessings are seeing his glory and seeing him work through other people's lives. It may not be what we desire to have happen, but once it happens, we're like, okay, I get it. I want to be more obedient. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. Why is his soul troubled? He's about to take, he's about to go and hang on the cross. He's about to be tortured and falsely accused. Anybody here ever been talked about badly and it wasn't even true? That hurts badly. This happened to him so many, many times that we can't even fathom what he went through. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? What does he say? Father, save me for this hour? No, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. See, it's not always pleasant, is it? Father, glorify your name. Whose face are we seeking? We sang about it in a song today. We're seeking his face, right? Not his hand. We're seeking, it's not what he can do for us, as Kennedy said, but what you can do for the Lord. Verse 28 says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. 
Well, what did Yeshua say? Yeshua answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. And it's even echoed today to, for all of our sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This snake has no power over us, guys. Don't be in fear of this. He, he has no power over us. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And we read about that in Revelation. And I, this is Yeshua, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Has he been lifted up from the earth? Yeah, he went up into a cloud. The, the disciples are looking for him. Where did he go? And the angels came and said, why, he's going to come back the same way, guys. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're humbled today by your gracious gift of salvation for making a way for us to come to you and be in your presence that we lost in the Garden of Eden through your son, Yeshua, that you sent yourself down in human form to be there for us. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you for making a way. It is our desire that everyone come to the repentance. It's your desire for this, Lord, and we know that it's your desire. That's what we want, too. Lord, I pray that this has been a blessing for the people here today. May we take this this encouraging message that you've given us and bring it out to those that we have interaction with through this next week. May we glorify you in all that we say and do and think. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H. Org. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.